check, 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 check. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Great. All great Perfect. liberals go to heaven and the libertarians will be in limbo. Nice. Oh, I brought you guys bumper stickers too. Ooh, cool. Not Irvine bumper stickers yet. Those just got in. I brought you exclusive cock pack, C-O-C-K, Central Ohio's countering Kasich. Cock pack, I like it. Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper. You can hear the Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's WBAI.org or 99.5 FM. You can also find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes. And on iTunes, please rate and review us. Find us on Facebook, just the Katie Halper Show on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. My handle is KT Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. The handle of my co-host Gabe Pacheco is Gabe underscore Pacheco. You can use the hashtag KT Help Show. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S-H-O-W. And find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the KT Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the KT Helper Show. And for this week, our bonus content, which is available only for Patreon subscribers, is a discussion on Alex Jones, some bonus chatting between me and Jimmy Dore about Alex Jones, and a discussion about Keith Ellison. On today's episode, we speak to Travis Irvine, who is a libertarian, but a friend of the show nonetheless, who is running to be governor of Ohio. He's also a comedian and a journalist. I'm here with, as always. Hey everybody, it's Gabe Pacheco. How's it going? I'm living my best life. Is that a good life? It's as good as it gets. <laughs> That's so enthusiastic. Very That's exciting. right. It's hot here in New York and, uh, you know, things are, things are going fine. All right, cool. Just got back into town from Asheville where I did the Asheville Comedy Festival. It was super fun. Yeah. A lot of talented performers. You know what, though? Uh, I heard that the service industry in Asheville, uh, they keep it, the minimum wage super, super low. Everyone only gets like 2 or $3, and they live mostly off tips. Oh. So there's got to be a way to uh, increase the, uh, the wages right. for, for all of the uh, service industry people of Asheville. I interviewed Ben Spielberg about this um, a while ago, who was working on this campaign in D.C., to get rid of the, um, basically to, to make tipped workers um, eligible for the minimum wage. Because yes. there was this big campaign by like rich restauranteurs saying that it was bad for workers to get rid of that. Of course, that wasn't true. Anyway, so maybe uh, they could do that there. Yeah, I was wondering because service was pretty slow, uh, but they were also, pa- I mean, it was this weird mix of just, it was packed with tourists, but also the, the service was slow in a lot of places. And it seemed like there wasn't really a lot of uh, incentive mm. and uh, it's counterintuitive, but uh, everybody, nobody cares to work hard if they know that people are paying like 10 to $15 for, you know, a t-shirt, but they're only making $2 an hour and right, they've got to wait right. or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, let's say the restaurants, sure. you know, you've got to, Nobody's making that much money down there, and the right. cost of living is is pretty high. But isn't that so? They are making money off of tips. Yes, that's weird though. It is counterintuitive, like you said, because you'd think that they would, you know, be more servicey if in terms of the incentive. Right, but, but there's no high. Uh, no one's paying that much for meals. It's not like a thousand dollar. Right, so tab. they're not going to get a good tip right, so anywhere. Who cares about the two dollar tip? Right, you know, yeah. it's better to get ten to fifteen dollars an hour. Oh, of course, yes, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. It's funny. In like Spain, they don't have tips, you know, as much as they do here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know this kind of sounds snobby, but it's it's true. There definitely isn't a service industry type of culture, uh, servicey culture. And I remember going to like an ice cream place called Palazzo. It's kind of, I think, a well-known ice cream place in Madrid and asking for a mint chip cone. And he gave me vanilla, which isn't even remotely similar in language or in flavor. And I was like, oh, I asked for mint. And he was like... Otro día, eh? which is like another day. Like, it's like next time, you know? <laughs> like so straight up, just like not even pretending to care. Nah. Nah. And then I was like, it was just honestly, like I wasn't going to waste the calories or the money on vanilla ice cream. So I stood my ground and I got the mint chip ice cream. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I always, uh, you know, when I was in uh, Greece or I've been anywhere I've gone where you don't tip that much yeah. and, or the culture just isn't uh, like customers always right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I just tell them like right ahead. I'm like, this is what I want. I'll even write it down and be like, this is exactly what I want. So there's yeah. no miscommunication. Right. And then, uh, and then I'll ask for the tab, the bill right away. So I'd rather pay and then uh, linger rather right. than have to wait and try to flag somebody down that doesn't care. I see. So you get up, you're like proactive, you get up yeah. and you're saying like other people there would just sit down and wait. Right. You just wait. You're like, you know, the worst thing, the worst is just you're expecting, I, I think in the US there's this like, okay, my meal is going to be 10 minutes long. Right. So, or they're trying to, they're trying to move units. So they're yeah. trying to get people out of the restaurant as quickly as right. possible to get more people at the table. So the staff is always asking like, hey, can I get you anything else? Here. Tent, right, yeah. Can I get States, you, yeah. Uh, are you ready? You want to settle up? Right. Whereas, you know, somewhere else, uh, they'll you'll just linger at that table for two right. and a half hours right. if you don't ask for a bill. Yeah, it's so funny. Most Americans are like, oh, I love that about Europe. It's so leisurely. You're like, nope. Well, if you're there because you want to go see things. It's true. You know, right. that's the worst. You're like, I want to get to the Acropolis. Yeah, you've got an itinerary and, and you know you've only got 20 minutes to eat. But on right. their, on that schedule, they're like, oh yeah, you're you're on vacation. Yeah. Or you want to just hang out? Or you want right. to just relax and malinger? Right. Uh, until the sun goes down. Right. And I'm like, yeah, no, then everything's Loiter. closed. I can't see. I can't do the things yeah. I came. I didn't come here to sit at this cafe. Right. That's funny. We should have, have like a reality TV show where we travel around the world, and um, it would be very <laughs> interesting to see our kind of. Competing priorities. I'm a big linger, cafe linger. Yeah. I like it a lot. And we could wear big stopwatches uh, yeah. on our necklaces yeah. and be like, what, what, what are you, what's, what are you really, counting down yeah. for? And it's like, I'm just seeing how long it takes right. till, they come, to... till they acknowledge that we're here, right. take our did, order. Did you see that movie, The Trip? We could do a, like our own version of The Trip. It's, I saw it a while ago, yeah. but you know. Great, great impersonations of Michael Caine. Well, broadsheet journalists have described my impressions as stunningly accurate. Well, they're wrong. I've not heard your Michael Caine, but I assume it would be something along the lines of, my name's Michael Caine. That is where you are right. so wrong. That's and a, you can look a, at my live video that's, for proof, that's, because that's, I, that's the do, very thing I don't do. What, I do, say do, that he do, used to talk do, like that. Do you, Michael Caine? Okay. I say, Michael Caine used to talk like this in the 1960s, right? But that has changed. And I say that over the years, Michael's voice has come down several octaves. Let me finish. And all of the cigars, and the brandy, don't let me finish, can now be heard. Okay. The, I've not fucking finished in the back of the voice, and the voice okay. now. Will, I've still not finished the voice. Because you're panicking. I've, yeah, because you look like you're about to bloody talk. Let me finish. Right, so, Michael Caine's voice now, in the Batman movies, and in Harry Brown. I can't go fast, because Michael Caine talks very, very slowly. Right. This is how Michael Caine speaks. Michael Caine speaks to his nose like that. He gets very, very specific. It's very like that. When he gets loudly, it gets very loud indeed. It gets very specific. It's not quite nasal enough the way you're doing it, all right? You're not doing it the way he speaks. You're not doing it with the kind of... And you don't do the broken voice when he gets very emotional. When he gets very emotional indeed. She was only 16 years old. She was only 60. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. That's Michael Caine. It's funny. The customers always write. The first thing that popped into my head for whatever reason was this episode of Saved by the Bell where mm -hmm. uh, Kelly, Kelly Kapowski, I believe is the character's name, who was played by Tiffany Amber Thiessen. She was a waitress and she had a relationship with her boss. I would love to hire you, but the owner wants an experienced waitress. I'll take a chance. I'll hire you on a probationary basis. Oh, thank you, thank you. What does that mean? That means we'll try it out for a couple of days, and if you do well, the job is yours. Wow, it's interesting. I don't think they brought up the se sexual harassment angle. Uh, this was pre-me, too. The asymmetrical power, power dynamic. Exactly. Right. Are those friends of yours? Yeah, they're just trying to make me look good. Ah, uh, they don't have to try very hard. You already look pretty good to me. And I remember this part where someone, some people who she was waiting on were not very nice to her. Waitress, yo! Is there a problem? Yeah, you. Sid didn't order mayo. I want the manager of this dump. Oh, you don't have to bother him. I'll just get you a new sandwich. And we're not paying for this garbage. 
<laughs> there a problem here, Kelly? Sweet Cheeks screwed up the order. And her boss was like, Kelly, don't you know the customer is always right? Kelly, you know the rules. The customer is always right. <laughs> Until now. Until now. This order is to go. And let me give you guys a little tip. Get lost. That really stuck with me. Then there was A.C. Slater, played by Mario Lopez. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars, yeah. The cool thing is that they had like an interracial crush, not romance. Screech, who I think later became a porn star and maybe stabbed someone. Uh, Justin Diamond is his real name. That's right. Right? <laughs> That's right. Speak on it. And uh, he had a crush on Lisa, and it was cool because that was never like a taboo, you know? It just was a crush, uh, an interracial crush. Can you go to the prom with me? Yeah, I'll go. You will? I'll go with you when worms have ears. <laughs> but they did bring up some race stuff because, of course, on like the take your family's heritage to school day, we found out that uh, Lisa's family was, I think they'd worked on the Underground Railroad. And after Abraham Turtle escaped from slavery, he became a conductor in the Underground Railroad. They had subways during the Civil War? <laughs> Under the cloak of darkness, he helped sneak other slaves, or passengers as they were secretly called, to freedom along this route from Atlanta to New York. My family calls this Underground Railroad the original soul train. Thank you. I think Abraham would be proud of you today. You're getting an A. Jesse Spano, who was the feminist activist character, kind of like me in high school, she uh, had slave transporting relatives. My ancestors were seafaring people. They sailed around the world on ships. They were shippers. Okay, thank you. I'm finished. <laughs> hey, Jesse, perhaps you could tell us a bit more. Well, they ship tea spices, people, lumber, that kind of thing. People? My ancestors shipped black people, slaves, okay? They were slave traders. Lisa, can you ever forgive me? I'm so ashamed. Well, Jesse, you had nothing to do with it. Oh, just say it. You hate me. Unleash those centuries of repressed anger. <laughs> Jesse, you're being silly. Calm down, Jesse. You know, we can all find things in our past that are unpleasant. But we can also learn from the mistakes of Jesse's forefathers. Jesse had forefathers? <laughs> what? Four allowances. Uh-huh. And she felt really bad about that, and then she offered to, like, uh, shovel Lisa's snow and stuff. Lisa, let me buy you a soda to make up for my ancestors. No thanks, I'm not thirsty. How about a nice tossed green salad? How about cooling it? I can't help it. I feel guilty. There must be something I can do. All right, Jesse, there is one thing you can do for me. I have not been to the mall in weeks. I will take you there. I'll carry you on my back. There's a picture driving Miss Dizzy. <laughs> it was kind of the pre-white privilege checking culture. Jesse Spano was there at the forefront. Am I leaving any of the characters out? Mr. Be Belding. I think Belding was the... Uh, Does great on the college circuit. People love to hire him to perform at colleges. Really? Yeah. The guy who plays him? Yeah. Interesting. How are you guys doing? So I guess he's a stand-up. I don't know what he does. I am the guy from the show that would not die, say by the bell. <laughs> AOL and TMZ voted. AOL said Mr. Belding was the number one principal on television and, and an icon, according to TMZ. Thank you very much. <laughs> does get a little awkward when you're getting a lap dance. <laughs> Mr. Belding! Ooh, Mr. Ooh. I'm just saying. I do remember him saying, remember, the last syllable of principal is principal. Because he was the principal. So yeah. he's showing that he's a pal. Showing 87 countries around the world. Who knew? You guys have favorite episodes? Yeah. yeah what's your favorite episode? Everyone knows about the anti-drug episode. That's really good. I love the drugs. No, it wasn't drugs. It was no-dos. <laughs> It was Jesse on Nodos, for God's sakes. 
when Jesse Spano takes caffeine pills. Pills? You mean you really are taking drugs? I need them. Jesse, give me those. I need them back. I have to sing. Jesse, you can't sing tonight. Yes, I can. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Hey, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Jesse, Jesse. How did Zach cure Jesse? He grabbed her by the shoulders and went, Jesse, knock it off! And she was fine! Can you imagine if we had Lindsay Lohan on our show? We'd cure her just like that. Lindsay, knock it off! And she lives happily ever after. Anyway, it's a great show. Not as good as um, 21 Jump Street, which really, really drove home a lot of social. And really launched the Fox network. Did it? Yeah. Interesting. Tony Drum Street. That's Fox ironic. had great shows. It did, right? When it first came out in the, in the mid-80s, there was uh, Women Behind Bars, which was, was a precursor to Orange is the New Black. It was a sitcom following women uh, in cages. Wow. Uh, also, there was Werewolf, the TV show, which uh, followed the story of a young man who became a werewolf at night and the bounty hunter that followed him from town to town wow. as he solved crimes. Kind of like a, a, you know, a, were, a werewolf version of the A-Team. Right. And uh, what else was on? 21 Jump Street, which was like, you know, the, a heartthrob show. You had a young Johnny Depp on it. But uh, what, a, what a terrible show, though. Bunch of narcs. I know. Dressed up as baby-faced kids going into schools, stopping teen prostitutes and pill pushers. Going undercover, right. Yeah. I had, uh, Judy got the character, they did talk about rape a lot. Um, oh, what, on 21 Jump Street? Yeah. I feel like, like the character Judy, though, who was played by Holly Robinson who was then on Hanging with Mr. Cooper. I think she got raped multiple times. He raped me. What? Evan Roberts. He raped me last night. On the show? Yeah. Whoa. Maybe three. Well, that's that's a, that's a lot mean, of times yeah. for a TV show. Yeah, it is. Same character. Yeah. Uh, Lightning they, striking three times. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and then they... You know what I call that? Lazy writing. Lazy writing, Right. True, or really pre-Me Too, really predicting a lot of Me Too culture. Uh, prescient writing or lazy writing, you decide. Sure. Well, you want to you want to revisit the same plot line over and over again. I guess that's what every episode of Law and Order SVU is. It's true, but to be fair on SVU, it is different characters. Yes. Yeah. Also, um, you know what you're getting into because it's called SVU. Right, Special Victims Unit. Right. Then there's also a really good episode with Doug Pinhole, who is Dom DeLuise's son who had like a Central American girlfriend, I think. What do you read? El Mundo. It's a newspaper from my country. El Salvador. Usted tienes huevos muy bonitas. I have pretty eggs. Is that what I said? Yes. <laughs> eyes, I meant to say eyes. You have pretty eyes. World class, I'm telling you. Your eyes are better than Chef Ping's spicy lobster. Like she had a Daniel Ortega poster in her apartment. Probably. I was a teacher in Chalatenango. We traveled from village to village teaching literacy. You see, we are a nation of farmers, and I gave my people new seed to plant. Seeds of hope. Seeds of equality. This was unacceptable to the people in power, the people who have the money. Because I was a teacher, Soldiers took me to prison and kept me 10 days. My family and friends could not find me. I disappeared. And it got really into like the, the death squads being supported by the United States history. What's gonna happen to her? Over 90% of the Salvadorian refugees are sent back. It's ironic. We open our doors to almost everyone. But because El Salvador is considered a democracy, we turn a blind eye to the slaughter. Slaughter? What are you saying? If she's sent back, she'll be in a lot of danger. Damn. Damn. All we can do, what we have to do, is stand by her. What are you doing? I'm asking you to marry me. I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to lose me either. All you got to do is say yes. <laughs> yes. A really sad episode. Quite moving. And how long have you and Miss Cabarrus known each other? Five days, Your Honor. And you were married after Miss Cabarrus was arrested and ordered before the court, is that right? Yes. Officer Penhall, under the Marriage Fraud Act of 1986, it seems clear to me that this marriage is strictly a measure to avoid deportation. No. 
No, that's not true. The order to place the respondent under custody pending immediate deportation remains. You cannot send me back. Miss Cabarrus. You cannot send me back. So shout out to uh, 21 Jump Street for going there early on, even though Gabe thinks it's maybe problematic. I mean, every show uh, romanticizes the police. Yeah. Right? It's And it's weird because I really enjoy like SVU. I really enjoy Law & Order. I really like 21 Jump Street. And I feel a little weird about it. You know, if you grow up watching Cobra and Tango and Cash and Canine, it's very difficult to uh, wrap your head around how, how brutal the police really are. Right. Canine, by the way, there are two movies that are basically the same thing. Canine and Turner and Hooch. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. A lovable Tom Hanks cop. Turner and Hooch. You know, we've, we've known each other for a while now. Um, I think it's safe for me to say. But are you aware of, of your drooling problem? Yeah, a lovable Tom Hanks cop with a dog. Mm-hmm. And the not so lovable because he never is uh, Jim Belushi cop with a dog. <laughs> yeah, they're the two toughest cops in town. <laughs> One's just a little smarter than the other. James Belushi in K9. Very excited to be talking to. None other than Travis Irvine. You may recognize him from uh, his political career. You may recognize him from uh, former appearances on the Katie Helper show. Uh, And he is running for governor. uh, And he is a libertarian. So, uh, Travis, welcome. Hello, it's good to be back. Uh, I should specify I'm running for governor of Ohio. So oh, this, sorry, right. I just think show, of you as so Ohioan that yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. It applies to no one except your listeners in Ohio. Yeah. Which I know there are at least a couple. How do you know? Um, Did um, you get fan mail from them I when you were on the, the Katie Alper yeah. show? Yeah, yeah. No, I know there's just a lot of Bernie people in Ohio. So oh, I'm sure got you got some followers there. You guys should come visit sometime. We could do like a little fundraiser show like we did in 2016. Yeah, and one of my favorite uh, podcasts is based out of Ohio as well. Oh, yeah. The Street Fight Guys who have also been on this show. Yeah, oh, we had really? them on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, America's yeah. number one anarcho-comedy radio show. Yeah, you know, we need more anarcho-comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the anarcho-capitalist. It's a Which mashup. is a libertarian yeah. uh, wing now of the party. Oh, the anarchists that are capitalists. Yeah. Th- that just sounds like disruptive entrepreneurs or yeah, anarcho- anarcho-capitalists. You know, that's what I like about everything that's happening in politics now is that there's so many different factions forming, but they're all anti-establishment. You right. know, we're all trying to status, uh, uh, oppose the status quo, oppose the status quo at, in our own way. So libertarians, same deal. They've been at it since 1971. Um, I wasn't born until 1983. And lo and behold, their ideas starting to make a lot more sense to a lot of millennials. You know, that's, I think we talked about last time I was on, I love how the libertarian Ron Paul, uh, kids on the right and the, the Bernie Sanders left leaning, uh, progressive kids on the left. You know, I think, uh, they're all kind of finding common ground and we're going to work together on a lot of things we agree on and on the things we disagree. Those will be civil, civilized, uh, discussions like civil liberties. <laughs> yeah, well, we all agree, on, agree those. on that. We right. all agree on that. I should those. say one 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 of the things there won't be debate about is civil liberties. There will be no debate on civil liberties or um, bringing down the military budget right. or um, drug legalization. Drug legalization, certainly. In fact, um, my top platform components that appeal to people on the left is legalizing marijuana, which uh, Dennis Kucinich, uh, who challenged in the Democratic primary, he was all for that. Um, criminal justice reform, certainly. Uh, pardoning on nonviolent drug offenders in the prisons in Ohio. We spent about $500 million just on incarcerating those people alone per year in Ohio. So that's a, you know not just a progressive issue, but if you're a big old tax dollar right. watchdog conservative, well, that should Deficit appeal to honk. you too. And then uh, also ending the death penalty. Um, the death penalty ends up being more expensive for taxpayers, but also I feel inhumane for the state to be in the killing business. And um, you know I, I think a report out of Texas showed that they spent $2.3 million housing someone on death row compared to, uh, God, much cheaper to just for a life sentence. Um, so that actually saves people money on there too. So Why does it cost then, so much? Um, because they always appeal. Um, death, death row cases always uh, um, appeal and it becomes a 
very long, arduous court legal process. Ooh, litigious. And then, and then there's the actual like the getting of the drugs and the or, or the electricity drugs, right. yeah. for the chair or the rope for the hanging. It's all oh, very expensive rope. I don't think they do um, hanging these, anymore, do they? Not in Ohio. I think I it, we're all legal ejection. Yeah. Uh, Although there. that's, yeah. You know, this is lethal, exciting. Excuse me, lethal ejection. Yeah, I should not, bring these should not be legal. <laughs> you know, what's exciting is that the Pope changed. Yes. Yeah. And then that happened while, so I already had my platform plank out there and then the Pope came out and, and for abolishing the death penalty. I was like, me and the Pope. I thought you were going to say the Pope became a libertarian. The Pope yeah. basically became a libertarian and he endorsed, um, no, that's, I can't. Oh my <laughs> God, you're he, going to hell. He endorsed me. Yeah. He ordered a change to the catechism of the Catholic Church and he changed existing language to read the death penalty is inadmissible because it is an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person. The church will work with determination for its abolition worldwide. It's a little weird. I mean, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. it's, if anything, it's kind of weird that the Catholic Church has to come out as anti-death penalty because the whole, like, what's, what story is more anti-death penalty than the whole Jesus one? Right? Well, but he died for our sins. Oh, so they're uh, just hoping more people will die for our sins? Yeah, there's something, uh, there's <laughs> something a twist. Uh, it's true. Yeah, yeah. sexy about being a martyr. And, right. uh, and those you know, abs, those yeah, killer abs. They yeah. never well, you have to hold up uh, yourself yeah, really well. That's you a know? long time. There was no anti-crucifixion uh, campaign. Right, yeah. right. Right. But it is, I mean, of course, they're looking at the silver lining of Jesus' crucifixion, right? Like that's the, right. it had to happen, a necessary evil. We got to break some eggs to make, to make these a good, sweet, uh, sweet, sweet omelets. Oh, of, yeah. Of, uh, salvation of just, omelets. Yeah, salvation <laughs> omelets. But, you know, you'd think that given that that was a bad thing and it's not supposed to happen again. Right? right? Like it's not a, we don't have a bunch of Jesuses. I mean, I don't care, but the Christians are the ones who are saying that. It's not like there are more Jesuses. So why crucify more people? Which comes, we'll get to that later. There's actually a recent Is crucifixion. Oh, yeah. uh, what? Yeah, guess which country it was in. Um, Israel? No, but the other place that no one likes to talk about that's friends with the United States, Israel is like our open boyfriend. It's like our open, like not open, like polyamorous. It's our official relationship. Right. Then we have a side piece. Saudi Arabia. Yes. Oh Yo, my lord. Saudi Arabian side pieces. Yeah. Oh my god. And, and Israeli, what would it be? A wife, wifey, like the our official girlfriend or our official partners is Israel, and then yeah, Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia is like our side piece. Yeah. Wow, that's a very good analogy for a very dangerous foreign policy situation. It, it is, <laughs> but you got to break it down for people, right? Right, right. I mean, what's what? What's yeah, more accessible than that? Yeah, so they had a crucifixion that? there uh, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, making waves. It's it sounds like it's uh, back. it sounds like the bad it's guy back, from the stand baby. just and took it's over. Sexier than ever. Yeah, <laughs> crucifixions. Yeah. I don't know if they used nails or if they used ropes. Well, yeah, I haven't I seen any images of it yet. Gosh, I mean, the thing about Saudi Arabia is it's so frustrating because I'm and I'm sure Katie knows all the Russia hate. Uh, that's you know that's been spewing out because Trump and uh, the Russians meddled in the election and they were pro Jill Stein and they were pro this and right. that and um, Saudi Arabia has meddled in almost all of our elections and as well as Israel. I mean, APAC is a lobbying group that right. donates to oh gosh, so many Congress people and senators and uh, presidential candidates and the Saudis definitely always had their horse in the race too. So Yeah, those uh, are official meddlers though. Those are like official meddlers. You know, they're right. recognized meddlers. Yes. Russia, you're not allowed to meddle. That's a dark horse Don't meddler. You be meddling over here. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you know the irony in, in terms of uh, Israeli meddling is that Michael Flynn you know, Trump's Michael Flynn, uh, he lied to the FBI about talking before the inauguration to Russia. But the irony is he was talking on behalf of Israel. Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law, had him speak to Russia to block or delay a U.N. resolution against the illegal Israeli settlements. Remember mm. that famous moment that was like a huge victory for human rights because the president of the United States decided not to veto a very just thing that was condemning illegal settlements. Right. So the irony is that it didn't work, which shows you that I guess Trump and Russia aren't that tight because if they had been uh, Trump and Putin, then they would have voted to veto or delay that resolution. Jeez. I know. So anyway, if you if you want to talk about Russia, that's fine, but you may want to mention Israel once or twice. So. The only real documented uh, collusion that we have so far, or or one of the first ones, the trailblazer, if you will, was over Israel, was yeah. on the behest of uh, Jared Kushner right, right. for Israel. In Saudi Arabia, I remember um, one of my favorite parts about Michael Moore's uh, Fahrenheit 9-11, yeah. he really pointed out how in bed the Saudi uh, uh, government was with our government, but not just that, the royal family and the Bush family. Yeah. You know, that was, that was a very cozy relationship that lasted uh, mysteriously well, uh, considering 
after 9-11, right. we were at yeah. war with everyone else. Aren't there right. more than one uh, Saudi prince named George Herbert Walker? Do, don't they? There's something like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they swap names, those two families. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If, <laughs> I haven't <laughs> met Osama bin Bush yet, but yeah. I'm sure he's out there. The house of Bush. Yeah, right. Fahrenheit 9-11, we saw like all these Saudi people being like flown out of the country. Right? After 9-11, right after yeah, 9/11, they 11, specifically yeah. flew out the Bin Laden family. family yeah. yeah, that was a big to-do. So there's uh, some exciting news coming out of Saudi Arabia, which is that they crucified a man in Mecca uh, while aggressively calling out Canada over human rights. And I'm reading from Business Insider. They use capital punishment for crimes like homosexuality or anti-government activities, though crucifixions are rare. It's a real special event, I guess. <laughs> um, it's lashed out at Canada sometimes harshly, since Ottawa last week called for the release of jailed women's rights activists in the kingdom and Saudi Arabia expelled Canada's ambassador. Saudi Arabia has restricted travel, medical access, and student scholarships to Canada while using its state-owned media to depict the country as unjust. That's interesting. I mean, Canada's definitely not on the... I mean, we know Canada's not as, as great as people like to think it is, but they're not particularly bad human rights violators. That's not particularly there. That's not what they're known for. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mainly uh, mooses. They're and, known for uh, mooses. Ex- and extreme graft when it comes to maple syrup. Yes. Yeah, oh, they really run the maple syrup racket around they the do, world. They do, yeah. Those yeah. jerks. I mean, Justin Trudeau is annoyingly Obama-ish, like super woke, but like bad for the environment. He's definitely that. But I don't, But that's not Saudi Arabia's issue with right. him, obviously. <laughs> right. Also, I feel like Saudi Arabia is kind of like uh, it's a losing campaign if you want to play the human rights card, you just, I'm not sure you're going to win that game. Yeah, no, that's there. That's like uh, the, the, what is that? The pot calling the kettle racist. Yeah. The pot calling the kettle uh, crucifying. Yes. Yeah, when yeah, they're, yeah. when they're not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Saudi Arabia is atrocious for, yeah. for the, I mean, you know, yeah. People on the left and the right all know this. Right. At the same time that this happened, this crucifixion, Saudi Arabia's state media tweeted a graphic, which appeared to show an Air Canada airliner heading toward the Toronto skyline in a way that recalled the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. Oh, my God. And, of course, as you were alluding to before, Travis and Gabe, 15 of the 19 September 11th hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. And none were from Iraq? Not a single one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought they were all traveling on that plane with weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, with with, uh, Saddam Hussein. Yellow cake. Mm -hmm. Remember that? I remember the yellow cake. (laughs) I mainly remember the Chappelle show skit though, where they were like eating literal <laughs> yellow cake. yellow cake from the motherland. Are you sure it was yellow cake? Y'all niggas don't believe me. I got some yellow cake right here. Look, you see, you believe this shit now? Y'all drop that shit. I know I know what to do with it. Well, I got it wrapped up in this special CIA napkin. drop that shit. Yeah. The, the tweet that had the infographic of the plane flying into a Toronto building. It said, as the Arabic saying goes, he who interferes with what doesn't concern him finds what doesn't please him. Hashtag Saudi Arabia, hashtag Canada. I love it. I love that the Canadians and the Saudis are finally having a go. A head to head, right? Yeah. You know what it probably is, If you don't is, start something, there won't be nothing. You, you know it's what true. it probably is, though? Deep What's down, that? secretly, they're probably um, just jealous of each other's oil profits. This is probably just right. another, another one of those oil wars, oil corporation wars, because Canada's got a lot of oil, and mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia still has got a lot of oil, so it could just come down to that. I have no proof of this. It could be fake news, um, but... That's right. This is all bill, bells and whistles. Yeah. You know, people love saying that we need to talk about Syria and there's a dictatorship in Syria. And again, like, I just don't see the value. Like, the United States government is always attacking Syria and we don't want to see war there. And it's kind of weird when even like liberals who claim to not like Trump, they get mad at people like Max Blumenthal, all friends of the show. Max Blumenthal, Ben Norton, Ronnie Kallick, they've all been on the show. Me, they get mad that we don't constantly condemn Assad, Bashir Assad. It's like, well, no one really thinks he's a good guy. There's not a lot of pro-Assad, pro-Syria PR. There's tons of pro-Israel PR. And Saudi Arabia, which is the worst of all when it comes to human rights, doesn't really get any attention. And why would you as a journalist or as a figure draw attention to the government that everyone already hates? Like that the United States government already hates. It's right. just a weird, I think, priority. Like that demand. road's already been paved. Yeah, right. You know? Right. And like, God forbid we talk about the countries that, like if we talk about Israel, I'm not worried that we're going to invade Israel. 
You know, right. I am worried we're going to go to war with Syria. Yeah. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, we already are right, kind of involved exactly. with the, That's with the actually proxy good. war. Right, right, right. And we bombed them, right? Yeah, we yeah. bombed some of the airports. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so fun talking about all this stuff. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. So, good good on the Pope. I really like this Pope, I got to say. Everyone loves this Pope. Yeah. Except, are you, except who? The right Christian Except right people and, who hate the Pope. Right. Yeah, yeah. What were you, what were you, you were raised Catholic? What's your? I was a raised a Presbyterian. Um, so uh, all I remember is we didn't clap for songs in church and um, um, everyone was very nice. Okay. And the potlucks were very plentiful. Nice. Uh, and I still actually go for Christmas. Um, but, you know, I think um, my religion instilled just like a sense of like treating people with respect. And then once I learned that and, and valued that, then I kind of, well, you know, I'm, right. I'm like a lot of millennials, more spiritual. Ah, spiritual. Do you like meditate or have crystals or what's your... Yeah, so many crystals, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I remember I lived in the Bahamas after I graduated school. How long? Uh, for a year. It was like a gap year type thing. Okay. Um, after college. A lot of snorkeling or A lot of snorkeling, it? scuba diving, sailing, and then hanging out with Rastas. And I grew my white person dreadlocks, oh, nice. I remember, okay, at that well, time we'll that I had when I ran for show. mayor. Yeah. You were like Ross Trent. Yes, I! Yeah, that's a way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and last week I read a book about Selassie I then told my Boba Clot parents I was switching religions. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, I wanted to start my own religion. I remember it's a mix of like being agnostic and Rastafarianism. It's called agnostifarianism. I like it. You just smoke weed and you don't know what's going on. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Right? Sounds a lot less. Uh, yeah, ignorance is bliss, right? Not calling Rasta ignorant, but when you smoke weed and, and don't know. And just accept that you don't know. That's right. kind of how I feel about it. You know, no one really knows what's beyond. Are you going to run on that? I, I don't think that's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> enlightened right. ignorance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, enlightened ignorance. Consider Absolutely. us your focus group. We're going to tell you not to run on that. Yeah, thanks. That's You're good. Welcome. Yeah. I hope they, you know, it is interesting, the religious aspects coming into play. I definitely get a lot of people asking about the, the pro-life, pro-choice issue. Libertarians, of course, are pro-choice. I do, you know, there's something about the, uh, like, when presidential candidates, they, you know, everyone's trying to get them with a gotcha question. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, what do you think about our relationship with Kazakhstan right now, for example? <laughs> I'd be like, I literally would probably say, like, I don't know. Like, I'll yeah. get back to you. We all have smartphones. Let me Wikipedia who's in charge of that country right now. Right. And like, uh, I'll just be like, I thought Borat was a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. A like, great he's, man. He's doing a great job. Right. Is, is he the president? I assume he's the president. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't worry. I'll hire the best. Yeah. The best. I'll hire experts. Best people. Yeah. So tell us about your political career and why you decided to run for gov. Oh, sure. Well, you know, I've, I ran for mayor of my hometown 11 years ago. Documentary on Amazon Prime, American Mayor. Check it out. By getting involved, you can make a difference, uh, especially millennials. Don't shy away from the local elections. Um, I then went on to work in Capitol Hill for a little bit before moving to New York City. And then in 2010, I actually ran for U.S. Congress with the Libertarian Party of Ohio. Um, I, I, you know, I'd always kind of considered myself independent. And then I, I figured at least on the federal level, foreign policy, things like that, I agreed with libertarians mm -hmm. uh, on more things than independents or greens or anything like that. So I devoted myself fully to the Libertarian Party of Ohio. And um, of course, 2012, worked with Gary Johnson's presidential campaign after graduating from Columbia. So that was all very rewarding. Um, and then what happened in Ohio, basically, uh, the Libertarian Party was really well put together in Ohio. We had our uh, full statewide slate of candidates in 2010. We were Gary Johnson's favorite state to come campaign in in 2012 because we just really had it together. And then what happened in 2013 and 14 was the Republicans felt threatened by us. They started to see that our ideas were getting some pull. We starting to, you know, we, I think they really thought that we were like a threat to their state house elections, but also specifically Mr. John Kasich, who was running for reelection in 2014. And I think at the time knew that he was going to try to run for president in 2016. So, um, the Republicans uh, railroaded through this legislation, took away minor parties' ballot access. Uh, it's now required for them to get 3% of the popular vote in a governor election or a presidential election for the minor party to keep that status. So the Green Party is in the same boat. Uh, Green Party got 3% in 2014, myself included. As a libertarian, I voted Green because I was just like, you know, want to mess with the system. Yeah, the duopoly. Um, yeah, so they got their 3%. So they have ballot access. And then Gary Johnson got 3% in the 2016 race 
but as an independent because we couldn't get him on the ballot as a libertarian because of the ballot access laws. And then lo and behold, sure enough, the Republican-dominated Supreme Court in Ohio decided that his results would not count as libertarian. They would keep him independent. So the Libertarian Party of Ohio and the National Libertarian Party had to put in $250,000 into a signature drive to get 100,000 signatures just to become a, um, a recognized minor political party again. Um, that is a very unsustainable model for any political party. So my job this year, what I've been tapped to do is get 3% minimum, hopefully more, in the governor's race this year, which they trust me to do because I've run for office twice. I've got 5 to 4% each time. And uh, also, every time I've run, uh, my videos get national earned media uh, like uh, my campaign jingles on the Jay Leno show and I ran for mayor wow. and then my old campaign commercial give the two party system the third finger nice. where everyone shows their ring finger to the camera that got on PBS and CNN in the ring finger or the ring finger not the middle finger oh why is there a legal issue with that yeah you don't want everyone flicking off the camera actually okay. but it's like that bit we used to do in third grade where you'd be like you'd flick someone off with the ring finger and then they'd be like hey and they'd be like no check it out oh, it's nice. not the little loophole yeah so and that's the loophole how we got that commercial on TV okay. Got it. Um, and that got on PBS and CNN. So it's like those shirts that say FCUK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your brain reads it the same way like, anyway. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, but it's not. Right. Yeah. Which I think may have started with French Connection UK, the clothing store. I like that. I like to make that part of my uh, uh, campaign, actually. Well, and that's actually you a thing. Do a I, I brought you guys these bumper stickers. Uh, this is uh, in 2014 because I had no candidate to support in the governor's race in Ohio. I started an anti Kasich pack in Ohio called Central Ohioans Countering Kasich, C-O-C-K. We worked long and hard to give him the shaft, and uh, uh-huh. he blew it. It was all puns. It was cock, mainly a pun campaign. So that's campaign. called Cock Pack, and you're trying to give him the shaft, okay? Yeah. And, and he well, blew it. He blew it. That was another fun one. So, yeah, that was 2014. Um, I mean, look, Kasich, you know, he's an arrogant man. Um, I don't think he's necessarily done a good job in Ohio. The only thing you could point to and say he's done a good job is we have a rainy day fund in Ohio. We're supposed to – it's in the Constitution have a balanced budget every year. So anytime you save money or you lose money, it all comes out of a rainy day fund. So he uh, turned the rainy day fund from 89 cents to $2 billion. So you got to give him credit there. But he did that on the backs of a lot of people and industries and entities that he probably shouldn't have done that. So it's all good. I'm here to challenge the Republicans. I'm here to challenge the Democrats. And more importantly, you got a millennial option running for governor of, of Ohio. And I think millennials, you know, whether on the left or the right, I think we all got to start getting more involved. That's right. They, the reason that uh, the election was lost was because people didn't turn out. I would That's agree. what they say. I would so. agree. In Ohio, Gary Johnson got 25% of the vote amongst millennials. Um, wow. But granted, not a lot of them showed up. So, but it's interesting that I think millennials are kind of more going that way. Um you know, I don't know how many of those people were former Bernie supporters, but you know, I, again, I, I, I think, I think the future's, you know, the progressive Bernie kids take over the left, the uh, libertarian Ron Paul kids take over the right, and we work on all the things we agree on and and go from there. Right. So, uh, and they say that also Gary Johnson probably helped um, take away votes from Trump. Yeah, Which, statistically, yeah. statistically, libertarians draw equally from everyone. We equally take from um, Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Mm-hmm. But then we also bring in that I wouldn't have voted. Right, uh, vote. but for, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of split into four groups. But in 2016 specifically, we took about 60% Republican because there's enough Republicans that they were just like, I don't want to vote right. for Trump. But then that was all you know, countered by the fact that I think this report just came out this last week that Trump one with people who would have not have voted. Right. People who have not voted in years yeah, and yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, cicada voters, as Ben Jealous said yes. on, our, on our show when we interviewed him the day uh, of. Little insects that have been hibernating underground for 17 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, so they don't Just, get polled. They're unlikely voters, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. 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 Um, and as Ben Jealous said, who's running for governor of Is Maryland. He for governor yeah, of he won oh, his such primary. such an exciting gubernatorial year. I know. Got Cynthia Nixon in I New know. York, Ben Jealous in Maryland, me in Ohio. Yeah. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Where are you getting your funding? <laughs> Right now, um, you know, if you head to irvineforohio.com, you can make a donation right now. And uh, we've got a great swag, we've got buttons, t shirts, uh, bumper stickers. We're working on the yard signs. Uh, the funding um, is mainly grassroots right now in Ohio. It's coming from a lot of people who, you know, here's the thing when, when a political party is smashed the way the libertarians were in Ohio, the, the infighting and just the, the pieces have been scattered into the wind. So we're just 
you know, finding all the old activists we had back in 2010 and 2012, they're getting back involved. About two thirds of our activists right now are, um, are new and they are brought over from the 2016 election. They discovered the Libertarian Party and now they're on board. Um, so amongst all these nice folks, we don't have a lot of funding, but I have no doubt that the funding will start to come in. Uh, from Libertarian Party activists all around the country. And then the more I get out there and talk to people at county fairs and Tea Party meetings and uh, marijuana rallies mm. and gun rights rallies and you know all these different factions that the Libertarians tend to bring in, um, I, I do think people start resonating to our message and, and opening up their pocketbooks. Also, videos. Um, anytime I make a video... Again, those are the thing I did right in the last two times I ran for office. We usually put it on the internet first and then say donate so we can get it on the air. And then once it's actually on the air, then it's an officially recognized oh, nice. campaign video once it's actually on TV. And that's when uh, you know organizations that kind of keep track of political campaign videos um, will you know take stock of them. And So you've done that. You will make a video. You will air it online. Mm -hmm. You will ask for funds. And then you get to pay it, for a spot. Yep, put it on TV. Absolutely. Now, the big spots, you know are pretty expensive, but if I can get an anti-Mike DeWine video uh, up on Fox News in rural areas in Ohio, that's actually a lot more affordable and, frankly, a lot more effective. A lot more bang for your buck. Yes. In the election the other day, there was a very close race in Ohio. Yes, the 12th district. That's the, the district I ran in uh, in 2010 as a libertarian. Wow. So yeah. what? Uh, and, of course, the narrative there is that a green spoiled it, even though the Republican beat the Dem by a much greater... Yeah. No, I do not ever... Well, we've talked about this. I never give in to this fact that the Greens are libertarians are sucking votes. No, those right. votes came from people who were not going to vote Republican and Democrat no matter yeah. what. But it's encouraging for the Democrats, you know, because, yes... Um, that district is fiercely Republican, right. has been for decades. Um, when I ran against Pat Tiberi, my 4% was the 4% that made him lose Franklin County, but then he swung in and won with Delaware County. So it's, back the then it was the only... DC, Delaware County. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, It was only three counties back then. They since re-gerrymandered it. So I am no longer in the 12th. Okay. I think they're nervous that I'd run against them again. So they carved me out and they carved in more Republican areas. So yeah, last time he won like 60 to 30%. So the fact that they got this close is already like very encouraging. And of course, uh, the fact that they're blaming the loss on like a green who attracted very little support is peak Democratic distorting and framing of, course. of, a, of a loss. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Right? It's like they spent $4 million on advertising that last week. The green, Joe, who I, I feel I definitely have met at some point, at various political functions. Um, he, he doesn't have any money. He's just on the ballot. You can't, I, I just don't understand how Democrats keep doing that game where they're just, they're like, we spent all this money and it was all ruined by this guy who had no money. What did yeah. we, you know? Just like Susan Sarandon. Yeah. yeah the exactly. reason that Trump is president. Right. <laughs> how does your comedy relate to your politics? Oh, they draw, they're both. The, the, you know, it's kind of nice being at this point and realizing how hand in hand they are because my strengths as a candidate are usually public speaking um, and also debates. I mean, I remember when I ran for mayor, my debate performances were the strongest, um, you know, just because, you know, I'm more comfortable talking in front of a group of people than these public servants. Um, yeah, which you're is, not a sweaty choke artist. I'm not a sweaty choke artist, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I ran for mayor, we had this scene in, in the documentary um, uh, with a debate and like some of them didn't know how to use their hands. Kind of like, <laughs> like Kasich has these right, kung yes, fu hands. Very, oh yeah, there was, a, there was some funny, I think I want to make a video of his hands. If, if you check out um, Central Ohio's Countering Kasich's videos on YouTube, you can see that we, we actually had a dance routine called Do the Kasichs wow. where we show everyone how to flap your arms and scrunch your face and hunch your shoulders and, yeah. and you just kind of do that for two minutes. Sorry, where do you find that? You said if you check it's out It's on what? YouTube. Um, Central Ohioans Countering Kasich. Got it. Okay. Um, I won't say the, the full name of the, right. the, the an, uh, anagram. Is that what they call it? But um, yeah, you can check them out. If you actually just type in anti-Kasich Okay, cool. Dance moves. Nice. <laughs> Probably be the first to pop up. But yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So when you're a comedian, you can go into these venues and politicians are so boring and the policies are so boring. Now, you don't want to be overly funny. You know, you get, my, the balance is I find to be funny, but interesting and smart all at the same time and poignant. You know, you got to make some good points. So it sounds like Cynthia Nixon's kind of doing this whole routine, too. Yeah. Um, so what do libertarians think of climate change? Because I think that's one of the areas that lots of people who maybe are libertarian friendly or mm -hmm. um, uh, like libertarianism think that maybe it's not going to solve uh, the problem or protect us from 
from climate change. Yeah, I I wouldn't even say climate change is um, not, is the issue. I would say environmental. Sure. Uh, environment. Uh, thing. Speaking of, speaking of, it's thunderstorming Travis said, outside. Right as the thunder started, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I worked at the Guardian on a project uh, that was oh, yeah, pro which I wrote a piece for yeah, you. you solicited a, you great, a piece. You a piece. You did a great job Thanks. on that one. Yeah, I think a lot of libertarians are pro environment. They just understand that the government can't necessarily always protect it. You know, sometimes. You know, we can debate on whether regulations go far enough or they don't or they're too lax or, um, you know, I remember, again, living in the Bahamas um, and the only thing that made people take better care of the environment there was education and kind of, um, uh, you know, social, you know, demonizing someone socially if they polluted or things like that. Because there was a fine. I never forget one of the big lessons I learned there was cruise ships. There's a fine if they dumped all their trash into the ocean. And uh, it was cheaper for them to pay the fine right, than it was right. to actually take exactly. all the trash to wherever they had to take it to do it legally. So they just did it that way. Um, so libertarians definitely believe in protecting the environment. I mean, I, I'm more of a uh, Teddy Roosevelt uh, conservative in that stance, I guess. Um, and it's actually one of the few areas I do disagree with libertarians because um, right. I do think you need to have some type of standard and there, someone does need to enforce it to make sure the environment is safe because at the end of the day, you know, libertarians kind of their line that you don't cross is don't hurt anybody, don't take anybody's stuff. Mm -hmm. If you do, then the law needs to get involved. Right. Well, environmental impacts obviously hurt people and take people's stuff. Right. What do you mean by take people's stuff? Um, it's the, the idea of don't take people's property. Right. But but you're saying like the it environment takes... environmental. Um, yeah. When you harm the environment, right. you're harming people and harming other properties. The properties being the physical like yeah. land and mother nature and all so that. You, and a specific example we can talk about with Ohio is the algae blooms, the toxic algae blooms that are um, being created by phosphorus runoff in Lake Erie. And then they go, they enter the streams in Ohio and it's a real problem. And Kasich was forced to kind of deal with it. And he has a commission and then the farmers on the commission decided that they didn't want to give in to any new regulations. So, you know, it's, it's frustrating because libertarians are basically saying people need to self-regulate and it's a good idea for them to do so to protect the environment. But the real question is, are people going to ever no, do that? Right. Algae blooms, that's an unfortunately pretty name. It makes they it, sound so delicious. Yeah. Well, that's like the red, deadly. the red tides that are coming in off of the coasts of, um, in the Gulf Our, of Mexico. Right. Mm -hmm. In Florida, that's uh, similar. You know, a red tide is just like a bunch of toxic algae that's right. all um, dying and sucking up the oxygen in that uh, swath of the ocean. Right. So anything that swims into it immediately dies. It's kind of like a like a garage full of carbon monoxide. Mm -hmm. You know, you go mm, in there, lovely. you breathe, you right. get you start you get sleepy. Right. You know, that's what happens to all the fish. They right. just get sleepy and then they die Aww. and wash up on the shore. But they're not even doing a, like a suicide like most people do with the. Garage. That's right. They're not even like whales beaching themselves. Right. It's very, it's non-consensual. suicidal whales. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is unfortunate. We need to call them like algae rot or something instead of algae bloom because that just sounds so pretty. It does sound I want nice. like, I feel like that would be a good name for a perfume, put, algae bloom. You got to put the uh, the word toxic right, right, before right. them and then it's not as pretty. Toxic yeah, exactly. algae blooms. Right. Yeah. yeah, even Rick Scott, major Republican uh, governor of Florida, uh, he declared... Um, uh, the red tide and the algae blooms, a national, uh, he, he declared it an emergency and yeah, he issued so, an emergency order uh, on red tide algae yeah, blooms. I mean, it's equivalent to a hurricane, basically, in terms right. of your the the wildlife in the area. I mean, it's going to, it's very devastating. So it's, you know, whether you deal with it from the private standpoint or the public, you got to deal with it. So I think that's one of those things that, leaders of the community just have to address. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, who holds, how do you pressure the private organizations? Right. Because then if you're pressuring, that's not libertarian. That's, that's the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like a roundup. It was, that came out in the news recently that this guy, um, he, oh, yeah. he was dying. It was a groundskeeper for some schools and he was, uh, you know, using gallons, hundreds of gallons of Roundup a from week. From Monsanto. Yeah, from Monsanto. And he, um, Monsanto it was uh, told they had to pay him uh, $235 million. Wow. Because uh, he's got terminal cancer. He won't ever see it. But, right. oh, wow. but he yeah. won the case. And the issue there is Monsanto's just like, hey, man, like, we're not going to tell people that this causes cancer. And they just hoped that he died before oh, it went to court. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, the jurors gave him $289 million. 
uh, to a man who says he got cancer from Monsanto's Roundup weed killer. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's the most popular weed killer. And they, it is. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I got, got some in uh, the, the old backyard at my old apartment. Really? Yeah, we had Roundup. Mm. In Brooklyn? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a lady who lived next door. She kept complaining when our weeds would grow. Oh, so I was on. like, look, I'm That's not going to pull the weeds. That's just classic Brooklyn, too. It's just like, hey, your weeds are too big yeah. over there. I'm just right. going to napalm the backyard then. Fine. Yeah. That'll be inter- fine. John's, so his case went to trial because um, doctors said he's near death. Yes. And in California, where this case was, dying plaintiffs can be granted expedited trials. So great. If you're dying, you'll get a, a, a an expedited trial. One of the perks of, of getting terminal cancer is you can uh, have your case moved up. And now, of course, hundreds of more plaintiffs, including cancer patients and their spouses, have sued Monsanto. Um, That's what we got to do. I right. think, you know, we just got to, everybody's got to just start suing all these big chemical companies. Right. Um, I was down in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and the DuPont plant there has been linked to polluting the river for years and years. And what DuPont's strategy, you know what their strategy is? You Mm-mm. think they're going to pay off all the families? You think they're going to give them what they deserve? No, Mm-mm. they're just going to change the name of that specific plant so it's no longer the DuPont plant. So that means um, if people sue, there will be like no money to be Great. sued for. So, oh, nice. Yeah, because that would be like a mom and pop yeah, the old mom and pop chemical plant. Right. <laughs> uh, it's really great that, like, even after this happened, uh, Monsanto responded, you know, with the socially responsible way that they do. Mon- Monsanto Vice President Scott Pertridge said, We will appeal this decision and continue to vigorously defend this product, which has a 40-year history of safe use and continues to be a vital, effective, and safe tool for farmers and others. Yeah. Great. Uh, and the guy's, like, covered in lesions. And uh, then he called Monsanto a couple times and he was like, hey, is this normal uh, to get these little right. um, gross on my skin after doing this? And they were like, we'll get back to you. And right. then they just they never what? they delayed and delayed and delayed. I mean, the, the, these companies, Mitt Romney was wrong. <laughs> Corporations are not people, my friend. Right. Or if right. they are, they're evil people. If they are, they've forgotten how to be people. Right. And that's very disappointing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's put Monsanto out of business, shall we? Right. And I guess the, you know, what we should do is progressives and libertarians should join together on this. If we all work together, we can, we can achieve these things. Yeah. Because we all have common enemies at the end of the day. Yeah. Cancer, algae blooms. Yeah. Monopolies. Toxic algae blooms. Not not the pretty ones. Right. God, it is so disgusting that these people make this calculation. It's just bottom line. I mean, I just wish that if we could somehow make it like a, a lottery, like you just had to live in the conditions that you're creating. Like people who make Monsanto stuff should have to use it. You know, it's like when they asked right. in Michigan for people to drink from their from their water. Everyone should just yeah. Yeah, yeah all the leaders should be drinking from that water. And anytime uh congressmen, you know, they have this nice cushy health care for themselves. Right, exactly. Um they, 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 should, have they to should just be getting on Medicaid. Totes, yeah. Yeah. Um, just make whoever uh, runs McDonald's right now just eat McDonald's all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. all day, every day. It's probably be good for the beginning. You know, it'll feel good for the first thirty Tastes days. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and actually, you know, I was in Florida. I mean, whoops, sorry. I was in California. I always confuse the, the home of Disneyland and the home of Disney World. Um, yeah. I just came back from LA, from California, and I went to a wedding that almost didn't happen in Idlewild. Idlewild is. Um, it's kind of near Palm Springs. And you're saying it almost didn't happen because of the fires? Because of the fires, yeah. Oh, they contained yeah. them. They didn't get to Idlewild. But my friend who lives in Palm Springs, who I visited afterwards, she said it was raining ash. Yeah. And people were walking around with gas, you know, with like surger- surgical masks on. And it was um, hard to breathe. And that's because they're in a valley. Like Palm Springs is in more of a valley. And Idlewild is like a mountain. It's really beautiful. The wedding went off without a hitch. Oh, hey, that's with pun intended, right? With the hitch. hitch and without another type of hitch, yeah. Um, and, of course, the beautiful thing about the fires in California is that the people putting them out are prisoners who, uh, oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. did not know this. Oh, yeah, yeah, The California fires are being put out by prisoners. They don't have volunteer firefighters? I, I think that it's... Well, the, they get to volunteer, I think, to be on the uh, the chain gang that does the work, but they get paid like a dollar a day or something, and right. they're... Uh, they're putting their life on the line. And then the best part is if they get released, they are not eligible to um, work in that. 
<laughs> they're the not allowed to do that. Yeah. In the industry, they just were forced to work in. Yes. Wow. So yeah, California is paying inmates one dollar an hour to fight wildfires. Since the Mendocino complex fire began on July 27th, and uh, nearly 350,000 acres of Northern California have been scorched. And um, there are roughly 14,000 firefighters on duty. Um, and among them are more than 2,000 inmates. And they're part of a volunteer, quote unquote volunteer, right? Firefighting program run by the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. They're paid $2 a day and $1 an hour when fighting an active fire. And they earn some time off of their sentences. Yeah, and I'm, I'm okay with, uh, I think it's cool to have, um, you know, you want uh, prison to be a place where you can be, uh, get some education right. and some job training. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to be there, you might as well do something productive if you choose to. Right, but get, it, out, get outside sometimes, enjoy nature. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Enjoy flames. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, uh, with the scorching air and ash right. that you're breathing in the whole time right. and putting your life on the line. But um, get paid a decent wage for it. Also, Not, right. yeah, and also this seems like it's it's almost uh, scab labor. It's undermining the labor market right. for other fire for people who would want to be firefighters on the outside. And then you should be able to become a firefighter after you leave because right. you just learned how to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some critics, like the ACLU, is saying it's um, uh, slave labor because they receive no death benefits and they make just two dollars an hour. So that's nice. It's like a nice outdoor chain gang, but uh, with flames. Yeah. It's really beautiful, I guess. Nice. If you're nice. on the side, if, if the wind's not blowing yeah, the exactly. smoke directly into you. Right, in which case it's kind of blinding. You can't see it. Man, I mean, I knew the, the industrial prison complex was bad. But right. like, I didn't know there was, they were also building in. I mean, I knew I, I knew about some slave labor happening sure. within there, where they're making license plates right. and things like that. Or but like, uh, this is a whole new level. They have uh, call centers in the prisons as well. There's like this great uh, sketch on SNL when Donald Glover was hosting, and one of the last sketches was like three guys uh, in a prison, and then they're just talking prison style, and then the phone rings, and then they put on customer service voice. <laughs> And then, uh, and then it, you know, hang up, and then it goes back to them just being in prison. Yo, I'm telling y'all, man, I gotta get out of this prison, dog. Man, I'm never coming back here. Got us working 30 cents an hour. It's like modern day slavery. I feel like these walls are changing me. I know what you mean, man. Like last week, this new inmate came up, asked me what size my sneakers was. I said, your size, bitch. So then what happened? They try to grab me by my collar, right? That's not. Hold on a second. Uh, good morning, customer service. My name is Philip. <laughs> oh, how can I assist you today? Oh, oh, all right, ma'am. Uh, please stay on the line while I direct you to a manager. All right, thank you. <laughs> that Brad razor that was hiding my butt cheeks, I cut his ear off, fam. It was like the first time I saw an SNL, them shining light into like mm -hmm. this, <laughs> a real job and like the grim reality of what right. it is to be in prison and who you think you're talking to yeah. versus who you are talking to on the other line. Oh my God. We used yeah. to have a, a game we played when we travel around America called uh, School or Prison. <laughs> so many of them look like, you know, vice yeah. versa. You'd, sometimes you wouldn't know until you saw the sign. The school to prison pipeline. You yeah, got to get people ready. It's literally like, like barbed wire, uh, bar, uh, barred windows. What is it? Oh, it's a school. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nice school metal detectors. Uh, poli police uh, office, mobile police office always, inside the building. Always going to have a presence. All right, cool. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? No, I'm just so happy to be back in New York. It's just, it's uh, once you leave, you, you realize how much you miss it. And then when you come back. Uh, it's raining. It's raining. <laughs> and there's a homeless guy yelling at everybody on the street. And then some New Yorker guy's like, hey, shut the fuck up, asshole. Right. But <laughs> and then I'm just like, like, oh, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> but then I feel like the homeless person will also be like, I mean, the guy yelling at the homeless person, if he saw the homeless person in trouble, would maybe be nice about it. Yes. New Yorkers are the the hearts of gold of of the East Coast, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, great. So tell people where they can find you online. Absolutely. If uh, any of you, 
Uh, <clears throat> I'll take that again. Three, two, one. If any of your listeners are in Ohio or you have family in Ohio, you can check out IrvineForOhio.com. Read all about our platform. So you can help us out, get involved with the campaign. Donations obviously welcome from all around the country if you're an American citizen and not Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, in which case, uh, give them some rubles. Yes. In that case, just meddle. Please right. just meddle. Um, but beyond that, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, Travis Irvine USA. I have the same Twitter strategy as Sarah Palin and Jim Webb. What could go wrong? Oh, nice. And uh, beyond that, uh, I will be just trying to make a difference here in Ohio. And I, I recommend all millennials, uh, you know, it's not enough for us to just complain on the internet anymore. Let's get involved. Let's start running for something and let's change the world for the better place. Yeah. Let's complain everywhere. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, all right. Cool. I'm Katie Halper. You can find the Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. You can find the Katie Halper Show on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Patreon. And make sure you go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show because you will get access to extended interviews like our extended interview with Travis Irvine, extra interviews with different people who aren't even on the main show, behind the scenes, And for this week, our bonus content, which is available only for Patreon subscribers, is a discussion on Alex Jones, some bonus chatting between me and Jimmy Dore about Alex Jones, and a discussion about Keith Ellison, 